This morning I'm reading from the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. Season with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And as you're being seated and I'm getting situated, thank you, Noah. Uh, let's turn in our Bibles to Colossians Colossians chapter 4 as we are nearing the end of this summer study uh, from Paul's letter to the uh, believers in the city of Colossae. It is so good to welcome back Montreat students. You're, I see you kind of sprinkled around. Thank you for being here. Would you welcome them back uh, to Grace this morning? Yes, good to have you just in different places. Uh, glad you're here. Welcome back to campus and uh, back here to Grace. I remember my first international mission trip. I went to Honduras, and uh, when I went, I went there as um, an interpreter. That was part of my job because I speak Spanish, but also went as one who would tell stories um, in the uh, kids' camp or the vacation Bible school time. I would tell the, the Bible story. That was my job. And I remember uh, the first night I, I did the story, and when I finished, uh, one of the folks in the church there pulled me aside and told me I'd used used not the best word for the word story. And uh, the person said uh, that I I used the word historia, and they said you shouldn't use that word because it could be a true or not true story. Uh, But but they recommended that I use the word cuento, which you, if you listen to that word, sounds like the word account. And so the word account uh, uh, bears more weight. And uh, I, uh, they, they just said, when you're talking of scripture, when you're telling a story from the Bible, uh, that's the word you ought to use. The reason I bring that up this morning is because it touches on a reality called for any communicator, the burden of communication. If you teach school, or if you're in a counseling situation, or if you're making a sale, you're explaining a product, if you're preaching a sermon, you have a burden of communication. You want to be sure that people hear and understand. You don't want them just simply to hear what you have to say, but you really hope they get it. And uh, so Paul is concerned about that. And he writes about it here toward the end of the letter. He says, I want you to pray that I will make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. He instructs the Colossians to make sure their speech is gracious and seasoned with salt. And so there is this need for clear speech uh, when we are talking to someone else especially someone who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, and we have the opportunity to share Christ with them. So right now, I want you to do something. If you're taking notes in whatever way, digitally or on a piece of paper, I want you to write down the name of one person, or perhaps it's a couple or a family, 
someone you would love to see come to Jesus. All right, so just take a moment. Perhaps it's a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, a friend. But this is someone you would love to see come to Jesus. I think you'll know by sermon's end of why that matters and how God might equip you through just a few words from his word to make a difference in that person's life. So if you're going to talk to someone about Jesus who doesn't know Jesus, before you talk to them, Paul says, talk to God first. Pray watchfully, he says. As a matter of fact, it's the word continue, followed by steadfastly in prayer. To be steadfast is to be earnest, to be diligent in prayer. I must confess as I preach this sermon now for the second time that prayer isn't the natural inclination that I have. By nature, I am a doer. By nature, I think about results. By nature, I figure out a way. And so I am convicted, as some of you perhaps will be, who are more type A as we're deemed personalities, that I don't pray near enough or diligently enough. Jesus, speaking in Luke 18, 1, says we should always pray and not give up. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Paul writes to pray continually. In fact, if you look at the letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, verse 3, and then verse 9, open this letter with prayer, and now we see the letter coming to a close with the same. So the letter itself is bookended with the reality of the necessity of prayer if someone in your circle is lost and needs Jesus. Paul says to pray watchfully, be watchful in it. Uh, In other words, be awake and be alert. Uh, So what is it that we are to be awake and alert about then, if we go back over the letter, you remember we discover there was a heresy that was circulating through. So first of all, I would say we must be alert about the times in which we live. The times in which we live, uh, heresies will always exist. Errant teaching will always be available. It was available in the early church, and it is available today. We live in a time of a seismic shift in our culture, of a redefinition of what is right and wrong, of a a reassessment of values based on personal preferences, of a subjectivity of the truth rather than an objective truth like the word of God. This is our culture. And it's easy then to shift into it. So our prayer, we must be alert about the times in which we live. Uh, Secondly, be alert about yourself. 
We easily deceive ourselves. Uh, we easily can fool ourselves into thinking we're, we're different than we are. And in prayer, the Spirit is able to come into uh, that moment of prayer and reveal some deeper things about ourselves that we wouldn't see otherwise. But third, be alert about others who need Jesus. Uh, perhaps in the busyness of life, it's easy to lose sight of them. Someone has wisely said, Satan laughs at our toil and mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. He laughs at our toiling, mocks our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. So we are to pray with alertness, but it's also qualified by this phrase with thankfulness. Uh, the word thankfulness goes to attitude, and attitude of gratitude, of gratefulness. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18 says, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, people often want to know God's will, and, and I understand when the question is asked, it has to do usually with a major decision they're making, but here it is. If you're struggling to know God's will, it's written quite clearly here, uh, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Yesterday, I had the distinct honor of doing Lisa Sprouse's funeral. Lisa was 57, died after a seven-year battle with ovarian cancer. She was a warrior. She, um, in life, loved others deeply and put others before herself. I had the privilege of using her Bible it was a worn Bible, so worn that prior to her diagnosis, uh, it had started to fall apart, and so she asked Brian to fix it, her husband, and he duct taped it. The Bible was strips of duct tape, but I didn't know you could get all these colors in duct tape, and hers was duct taped with a turquoise-like color all the way down. Little did Brian know when he did that, that she would be diagnosed with ovarian cancer and that that very color is the color associated with the fight against ovarian cancer. But it was what was written in the front and back of her Bible that captured my attention. Lisa wrote, Diagnosed last week in worship with my family, God is greater. She wrote in another place, why is it that I want to be rid of this suffering when God is in fact using it to sanctify me like he's used nothing else in my life before? That's 
an attitude of gratitude. That's being thankful in all things for it is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. She was grateful. That's a difficult posture. I read that with such conviction of my own heart. So let's talk about true gratitude this morning as a practice. Thank God for what you have. Most of us in the room have more than we used to. Some of you may have taken a hit with the recent downturn in the market, but by and large, my guess is that most of us in the room have more than you once did. Be grateful for what you have. Don't take certain things for granted. Your water is clean, unlike many parts of the world. Uh, We're so used to it, we don't say thank you, do we? On that same trip to Honduras, I showered in what was called the Widowmaker. Why was it called that? Uh, There was no hot water, but there was an electric coil over my head over which the water flowed. And if I grabbed it, I'm dead. And I remember going, don't touch that, don't touch that, don't touch that, the whole time. We, of course, could never open our mouth, not even in a shower, not, definitely not to brush your teeth. I somewhere mistakenly took in bad water on that trip. And it cost me a year of stomach issues. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for who you have. If you have a wife who loves you still, through many dangers, toils, and snares, if you have a husband who's still sticking it out with you after how many years, be thankful. Amen? That's a gift. If you have parents who love you, if you have children who respect you, be thankful for who you have. If, you're, uh, if you have friends who are dear to you, be thankful for your friends. If you are in a life group that encircles you when life hits, be thankful for who you have. Be thankful for who he is. God, that is. One of the exercises that I do from time to time to uh, force myself to reorient my thinking upward instead of horizontal, vertical uh, in a sense, is to go through the alphabet and celebrate who God is. That I can thank him and praise him because he is awesome. I can celebrate him because he's bold and caring, devoted, enough, faithful, gracious, 
He's holy. I, I sometimes will make myself go through the entire alphabet, gets a little weird at X and Z, and find words that describe him because it, it forces me and times I'll have to pause and go, okay, what word here? Why? Because God is worthy of our praise, Amen. He's worthy of that pause. He's worthy of the space and the time that I will take to look upward and see him for who he is. And thank God for what he's done. Why? Because he's done some things, hasn't he? He's come through at difficult and dark days, hasn't he? Uh, there have been dark nights where you wondered uh, if you could wake up and face another morning. But as God's word says in Lamentations 3, his mercies are new every morning. And the very next morning of your life, you woke up uh, amazingly with enough strength to get up and get through the day. Uh, thank God for what he's done. Oh, he's been faithful, hasn't he? And he will be Thank God for what he's done. It's helpful sometimes to look back on the greatness of God, but also look back on the gifts of God. Look back on those times where he's come through when you knew it had to be him. There was no other solution. There was absolutely no other answer. I remember years ago when I went through... A a difficult time, a personal depression. It was tough. It lasted for three months. And in that time of depression, I struggled on some days to get out of bed. I pastored every day through it. I worked. And there would be particular days when the only way I would sense enough strength to get up and get at it was to, before I woke up in the morning, just take and put my hand on my wife's shoulder. She was asleep and had no idea, but just the touch from her was God's gift to say, you got this. And I would face another day with mercies for that day, finish that day, and live through another. Oh, there are dark days that I still have, right? We all do. But do you know what I'm able to do? Just rewind all the way back to that one. And see that if God was faithful then, he'll be faithful now, amen? If he did it before, he can do it again. Thank God for what he's done. So pray watchfully. Um, pray for open doors too. An open door is a metaphor for an opportunity. What we learn from this is that it isn't our place to open doors. It's our opportunity to walk through them. Um, sometimes maybe in your eagerness to share the gospel, 
If that's where you are, you might want a door to be open sooner than God may open that door. Let's not kick down doors. If you're here this morning and you've been offended because somebody came on too strong or disrespected you in their sharing of the gospel, I apologize. My presentation of the gospel should never be offensive. The gospel itself can be offensive. Why? Because it is good news, but before there can be good news that Jesus Christ came to save sinners, there's bad news that if he came to save sinners, the only way you're going to experience that is if you admit you are one. The bad news of the gospel is that you and I are desperately in our sin in need of a Savior, and the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to save you. And if you never own your sin, you'll never know the love of the Savior. Uh, That can be offensive. Uh, People regularly don't like to hear that they've screwed up or failed. We don't like that, but until we do, we won't embrace the Savior who can fix us. Paul wrote to his student in the faith, Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. Here we go. But the word of God is not bound. (laughs) I may be in prison, Timothy, but God's word, it's not bound by prison chains or doors. Pray for an open door, Paul writes the letter to the Colossians when he is, in fact, in prison. He is under house arrest. One of the greatest difficulties of living in the Bible belt is sharing Christ with good moral religious people. Jesus writes or speaks in Matthew 7 and says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Dean and Sarah, in his book on how to reach lost people in the Bible Belt, says if Jesus had been speaking today, his examples might go like this. Jesus, didn't we say grace before dinner? Didn't we vote our values? Didn't we believe prayer should be allowed in school? Didn't we go to church? Didn't we believe in God? Didn't we give money to the church? Didn't we own Bibles? Didn't we get the baby christened by the priest? Didn't we want America to return to its Christian roots? Didn't we stay married and faithful? He adds, these petitioners Jesus spoke of loved to say, didn't we? When they should have been saying, didn't he? That's religion. That's moralism. I'm so glad you're here, but it's entirely possible that some of you came this morning 
hoping that God in heaven has a divine attendance book and he put a star by your name and that if you get enough stars and do enough good things, by the time it's all said and done, he'll say, come in. But that's not how we're saved, is it? No, we're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Nobody. We, we can't brag, look what I did, look what I accomplished. No, none of that matters. It is only by grace. It is only when you see your sinfulness that God in his grace will reveal the Savior's faithfulness and holiness and you'll receive him. It was seven years ago this past week that I was privileged to baptize one of the oldest persons I've ever baptized at Grace. We shared his story. It is the most watched video we have ever had here at Grace. And I thought it fitting to see it again this morning. Check out the screen. My story uh, may be a little bit different than some folks because uh, basically I went to church when I was a boy. My mama went to church and, and so uh, of course I went with her. She had a pretty mean switch so she made me go to a certain extent. Once I got about 16, I guess it was, about 1964, then I, I decided that uh, I didn't want to go no more, and I didn't. And uh, I don't know why, but I just didn't go. And so then I you know, graduated from high school, went to the military, went to Vietnam, done the whole nine-yard thing, got married, and, you know, basically come back from Vietnam, raised two youngins, and, and uh, then I just never did go back to church. And next thing I know, you know, 50 years went by. So in uh, 2014, I started coming to church here at Grace. My wife had been going to church uh, the whole time, so then, but she did come to Grace. Went to another church. And, you know, we come up here to visit. Uh, daughter and her husband been coming up here, and they liked it. I come up here to visit, like I say, it's the first time I've been to church except just to go to a wedding or a funeral. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I looked around and I've seen people I know, very casual, it's my kind of thing. And uh, my wife started coming with me, we started coming to church up here. And um, uh, after that, then uh, I guess when you're about a year or something like that, matter of fact, it was on March 1st, 2015, I decided I'd make the decision to give my life to Christ. This is never made. So, uh, in saying that, you know, then I got baptized on August 16th of 2015 and been coming to church here ever since. And I guess if I could give a suggestion to anybody, if you're a young person, you need to hang right in there and keep it going. You'll learn a lot, you'll be around good people. And you think you're, you know, maybe it's too late for you to do anything about it. I, I tell you right now, when I, when I gave my life to Christ, he didn't ask me how old he was. He just said, I was the one doing all the asking. 
And in doing that, you know, he, he done the listening. And of course, the Lord did. He's given my sins. I'm, I'm mighty thankful for all that. I love Harold's story. I love his story because, and Linda, his wife, Harold, wasn't with us this morning, but Linda was, and she just sat here with tears in her eyes. For years, 30-some years, she attended church alone till one day God opened the door. Pray for open doors, but, but Harold's story also is a reminder to thirdly say something. You say, Jerry, what do I say? Um, Paul says, pray that I will declare the mystery of Christ. What is that mystery? Colossians 1.27 is the answer to the question, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, that is the mystery, and that's what we get to tell somebody else about. In other words, when you know that person whose name you wrote down and you think, I'd love for them to know Jesus, perhaps it is a son or a daughter, a mom, a dad, a brother or a sister, but you say, I'm not sure what to say to them. I would just say to you, tell your story. Tell your story. Uh, they can't argue with your story of who you were before Jesus, what Jesus did, and who you are now. That's what Harold did with this video was just to simply tell his story. And if you've come to God by faith in Christ, you have a story to tell. Whatever it may look like, there is a story of before Jesus, Jesus, and after Jesus. And folks will lean in and listen to your story. They will lean in and listen to your story. You have a story to tell. You say, but how do I do it? Paul says that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Say it clearly. Say it clearly. Uh, no need for theological jargon. Some of you say, I I'm hesitant to share because I, I don't know all my theology. I would just say this to you. If you were lost in the wilderness and somebody came to your rescue and they found you, something tells me that when they get to you, you're not going to carry on a conversation about their GPS and the inner workings of it. No, you're just going to be glad to get home, aren't you? If God puts somebody in your life that he's opened the door to, they're going to care very little about your theological positions. They're going to want to know how lost people are found. Say it wisely. I read last week that wisdom is the space between the brain and the mouth. Some people have a very narrow opening there. Not a lot of space. 
Wisdom is the space between the brain and the mouth, that space where you say, okay, God, how do you want me to approach this? Say it wisely. Say it now. Making the best use of the time. In other words, when God opens the door, walk through it. Be aware of an open door, and when he does, walk through it. Say it graciously. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Say it graciously. What does that mean? It doesn't mean your your speech should be seasoned with salt only when you're talking about Jesus but always so that when you do talk about Jesus, they'll listen. That's what that means. It means that if you gossip about your coworker and then share Christ with another coworker, most likely that other one's not going to listen, is he? No. Say it graciously. Let your speech always be seasoned with salt. Watch what you post. Because if somebody has to dig through all of your complaints and bickerings about everything in the world to find that you know and love Jesus, they're really not going to listen to you at that point. Finally, answer their questions so that you may know how you ought to answer their questions. People who don't know Jesus usually have some questions. And you say, well, what if I don't know the answer? You know, there are three words that we're going to say out loud together because in the Googleization of the world, uh, these words seem to be in ill repute. Are you ready? You, you're, some of you will struggle to say these words together. The first word is I don't know. (gasps) That's just frightening to say out loud, isn't it? Why? Because you can, in a three-second Google search, know anything you need to know, right? Some of you self-treat yourself. Who needs a doctor when you've got WebMD? And by the time you've finished with five minutes, you're dying of some foreign disease, that has never made it to American soil, but you're convinced because you have three of 18 of the symptoms, your death is imminent. All right, so so we don't know. It's fine to look at a friend who, who doesn't know Jesus but has some questions for you and they ask you one that's hard and just say, you know, I don't know, but I'll, I'll look it up. I'll find that answer. I'll figure it out. Today, as folks were leaving the early service, a woman stopped me. She and two of her sisters were at Lisa's funeral yesterday. They grew up together. Lisa and these three. She has a sister who's, even though they grew up in worship every Sunday, has all her adult life resisted Christ. And 
Lisa planned her funeral, and we went by her plan. And I landed on from her Bible the parable of the lost sheep that seemed to be near and dear to Lisa. This woman said, yesterday when we left, my resistant sister said, could you tell me where to find sermons like I heard today? How can I start listening on a regular basis? That woman is also about to leave the country to do the Lord's work just for a short stint. She said, my other sister said yesterday, aren't you scared? And my sister, who until the funeral yesterday would not entertain a conversation about Jesus, looked at her and said, no, she's not scared. The Lord's going to take care of her. She's doing his work. And then this woman said, I'll see her this weekend again. Pray for me for words. That's an open door, isn't it? And who opened that door, church? Yeah, God did. This is how we're going to close today. We would normally do this this Sunday right before most school starts here. I know now people start at different staggered times in public and private school. But I want to this morning, if you are a teacher or a school administrator, from preschool all the way up, would you stand in the room this morning? School teacher, homeschool, public, private. All right, now I'm going to ask you to do something. Just walk up front. And uh, Pamela, just lead them out. Come on up. And I want you to come all the way up on the stage. Come on up, Allison. So... If you're a professor, college level, join us. Yeah, absolutely. And just make another row. Just head this way, Chrissy, and make another row. Yeah, just lead out. Here we go. Isn't this wonderful? These are the unsung heroes. So I just want to say to you that I think it's crazy likely that somebody this year in your class is going to see Jesus through you. I really do. It may be the most unlikely student 
It may be the one whose home life does not bring an ounce of comfort, but they walk into your space, and when they do, there's a sense that you walk with God, and they can tell. And you may be the Christ they need. You may be the only sermon they ever hear. Uh, Now I want everybody who's in middle school, high school, college students, would you stand? Wow. And you make your way to the stage two. All right, head this way. Just fill it in. Come on over, Makai. Keep coming this way. Yeah, head this way. We'll have to make multiple rows. Isn't this amazing? Keep coming across. Yeah, just make another row. We'll just go as deep as we need. And just go all the way across, if you will. Keep going that way. There we go. I love this, don't you? This is our second service with similar results. You students have a remarkable opportunity to be salt and light to your friends. It's clear that once kids hit your age, the peers have a major voice, major voice. The question is, what will your voice be and what words will your friends hear? What life will they see that will give you an opportunity to speak the words that could be life-changing for them? God, what an opportunity. As God sends this crew This could change campuses. Could it not, church? So we're going to pray for you. Alan Michael, who's our pastor of families, who at our family meeting tonight will announce, we'll talk about God's call on him, is going to come. And let's see, way back there, Chrissy, somewhere near you is a microphone, maybe a, a green one. There it is. Yeah. Thank you, Crystal. Here we go. And so I think it's on and ready. Um, this just warms my heart, doesn't it, yours? If you think and you believe the world's lie that all hope is lost, get a visual of this.
It is not. And there is a God who is still sending people every single day to the front lines to communicate the best news ever. Teachers, students. Alan Michael, pray for us.